This podcast was first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South community access radio station. For more information on Fresh FM, as well as links to other great local podcasts, go on our website freshfm.net or download the accessmedia.nz app. Welcome to the Drive Alive show here on Fresh FM. We're broadcasting to you from the Founders Park Studios here in Nelson. Thank you for tuning in. To my one listener anyway. Tonight, as usual, we are sponsored by NPD Fuels. Thank you to them. Hopefully you're using them around the region, south of the region, and indeed now north of the region. Thank you for NPD Fuels and their 100 octane fuel. Very potent stuff. Anyway, tonight we are doing another interview uh, of a motoring guest, but it's with a difference. At huge expense, we were going to fly him from Australia, but decided not to. Uh, to stay in the MRQ facility would have been too long, and he'd have probably drunk all the beer in there. But instead, uh, hopefully he's going to be on the other end of the phone in a few seconds' time. So, welcome to the show, Trevor. Can Hi. He can hear me and I can, I can. hear you. Hi, Steve. That's a scurrilous accusation about the beer, but probably not without a grain of truth. No, no. Um, no, pun, no pun intended on the grain. Oh, oh, very good. <laughs> very, very good indeed. Yeah. So, I'm amazed here the technology has worked. This is my first phone interview. And, um, yeah, so it, it's great to have you all the way from Australia, and presumably it's pretty darn chilly over there as well? It's not as cold as I think it is there. It's uh, fairly temperate, I would say temperate. It's been a bit chilly, but it's got a lot better over the last few days, but it's been raining a lot. But, yeah, what can you expect? It's winter. What can you expect? It's winter. Yeah. Even for Australians, even you have to go through winter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the Fresh FM air-conditioned studio is pumping out its slightly chilly air, which doesn't help, but I guess it keeps all the equipment uh, from overheating, and possibly me as well. So that's really good. Um, right. So, uh, basically, um, when I get desperate, I, I call my mates on to the show. Uh, so you can tell I've got desperate tonight. No, not really. But um, you've probably got some good motoring or actually motorbiking tales to talk about. So we'll, we'll get into those maybe a bit later. But um, what, what have you got up to in your lifetime? Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Mm, okay. Um, so uh, probably not a surprise to say that I'm um, British. Um, and uh, I came to Australia in 2009. But before that, I had a very eclectic career, I think you describe it. Um, eclectic. Eclectic. So, um, yes. So I left school and lived in France for a while and came back to university and had a horrid time and I would say left but you might say got thrown out after a year. Um, and then I was a dispatch rider on motorbikes in London 
um, which we might want to talk about, um, for, well, as long as it took me to have a serious accident. Um, I, and, I was uh, just going to say, you're a dispatch rider who's still alive. Yes, yes, there, there are some, um, although it was difficult to get insurance because the uh, I think the life expectancy was pretty short in those days. Um, and uh, after that, I thought I had to have a bit of a rethink um, while I was in plaster um, and uh, qualified as an accountant and then gave that up uh, and qualified as a nurse and then combined the two to do health uh, healthcare management. And that's what I've been doing for the last mm, 25 years, something like that. That's, that is eclectic. Hmm. That is eclectic. So, I forgot. I've forgotten you gone. You'd spent some time in France. Hmm. Yeah. What? Well, for, for Hilton, Orly Airport, just south of Paris. I, I lived in a. a it's called a, a foie de jeune travailleur, I think it's called. And um, the toilets didn't have doors on, and there were people getting dragged out with drug overdoses, um, and it was very noisy. But otherwise, it was good. See, I was going to say that sounds quite kind of you know glamorous and ex- exotic <laughs> doing but maybe I've, you've just ruined it now yeah <laughs> yes yes it was uh, enlightening yes in- it was an 18 year old enlightening mm. so so were you driving in france no i took the bus um and uh, i did have uh, one morning I'd, i was working nights for a year and i overslept and i arrived 50 kilometers south of where i was supposed to be and when i woke up and got on the bus going the other way and then ended up in paris having gone 15 kilometers the wrong way again <laughs> took me almost almost all day to get home um i was so tired i just couldn't couldn't stay awake to uh, get off at the right stop and and you still had the job the following day then absolutely yes we turned up on time mm. well well done french people for being understanding hmm. that's 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 good okay so um so, and, and did some nursing. So, did you? Were you so impressed with how you were looked after in plaster then, um, after you came off your bike again, that that encouraged you to go into nursing? Or no, that's a long story. Why I went into nursing? Too long to describe for your listeners right Too now. Too long. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Then we, we we won't do that one. We won't do that one. But yes, <laughs> nursing and accountant. That is brilliantly eclectic. <clears throat> I think that's pretty neat. So. Um, Right. Well, let's now we know a little bit about you. Let's go back in time. If 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 this was an expensive show, I'd have sound effects now to sort of you know mm, go, go yep, back yep. in there, but it's not, and I can't work the buttons anyway. Um, so driving test. Did you do your driving test first, or did you do your motorcycle test first? Did my driving test first um, with with a guy who um, was a chain smoker. Um, and um, it was a ma- obviously manual. In the UK, you train on a ma- uh, manual car. You do. Um, and, uh, yeah, amongst the fumes, car fumes and the, the smoke fumes, um, it was good. He was quite a good chap. He, t- he used to take me to the pub after the lesson, which was good. <laughs> Great. And did he used to buy? Sorry? He, yeah, he did, yes, because I didn't have a, a, a brass penny to rub together. Yeah, yeah, he was good. See driving instructors, that is the sort of added value that keeps students... <laughs> you, can't, you can't buy that kind of service. You can't, you can't. That'll keep no. them coming back every time. Of course, it's after the drive, not before as well, which, is, again, is, is that's good. Yeah. That's good. Okay, so what car did you learn in? I've got no idea. It was a hatchback. You've got and, no and idea. And it went, went forwards. Yep, no idea. Oh, is it... That, that, this is a motoring show. We're supposed to have knowledgeable motoring <laughs> guests on here. Okay, yeah, okay. It had, it, it had an L on the back. That's useful. That's yeah. very useful. Yeah. Okay, so did you pass time? Fast, pass, pass, pass time, pass first time. Pass first time. I, I had nine lessons and I passed first, passed first time. He was 
shocked and a bit disgusted, I think. So hang on, you um, pass first time. So, so, yeah. so Trevor Watson, really nice talking to you. Got to go now. That's, that's <laughs> another one of my friends who's passed first time and I didn't. Right, fine. Yeah. But, but I think there's a problem in passing first time, right? Because it, it, it gives you a false sense of um, capability. Ah. Uh, particularly at that age. And uh, that's a recipe for disaster, not only for you, but possibly for everybody else. I, I, seriously, I think it was an issue because you're you're pretty arrogant at that age, and to pass first time, it just compounds the arrogance. And and did, um, did that play out then in um, over sort of estimating your ability? Yes, I would say so. Yeah, I think at that age, you know, you tend to be pretty confident. Let's say um, yes, and I think it did. Yeah. Okay, so any any crashes close after then, then? No, no, no. Um, but subsequently, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, in, not in cars, but motorbikes. Not yeah. in cars, but motorbikes. Okay, so yeah. past driving, that, yes, that is young, and nine, just nine lessons. Hmm. Wow, that's quite impressive. Okay, then. So, um, what was your first car, then, after that? Or did you go on to bikes? Then. No, my, my dad had a larder, so we didn't have a lot of money. So we had a, a larder, which kind of, it wasn't, um, I don't think they put it in, um, um, in in any wind flow testing, or whatever you call it. Oh, um, right, wind, wind tunnel, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a bit of a box, and uh, he took me out for a lesson. <laughs> it was the only time he took me out for a lesson. And uh, we were careering towards the back of a car, <laughs> and he was screaming at me with his hands on the dashboard. <laughs> and I managed to have a sense of, um, mine to put my foot on a brake just at the last minute, and I don't know how much we missed by, this car by, but it wasn't much. And you hear this term "white knuckle ride," and he had had one, and that image has just stayed in my mind forever. And I think it was the last time he took me out for a lesson, um, which was good because then he paid for for the professional ones. But um, oh, it's nice. an image that's just stayed with me. <laughs> that's that is probably an image that just stayed with him as well. <laughs> Nice tactic to get the driving lessons there. I know. If I if, if only it had been planned, I could claim claim credit for it. Yeah. So th there's a top tip to any uh, teenagers, youngsters listening to um, encourage your parents far now to cough up for driving lessons. Scare them stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but make sure it's in the family car. Yeah. Because uh, then they won't do that again. Right. Okay. This and this was before the days of ABS and all that. Fancy, uh, fancy I would stuff, say so. It? Yes, this was a day, uh, days before email, and um, that's how long ago that was. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And actually, larder having a larder having breaks is probably a bonus. <laughs> as, as yes, well, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't stake your life on them, would you? No. no, no. Okay, so larder was what you were driving around in. Mm. Uh, was, was I'm, I'm thinking that probably wasn't a babe magnet, was it? Well, I didn't need one, Steve. Didn't need one. You know. <sighs> no, it wasn't. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that wasn't really my, my objective. But uh, yeah, if it if it needed to be, it wouldn't have been. No. 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 Okay. So um, so how long did that? What what did you move on to after that then? Well, I, I moved on to motorbikes. So I, I I just passed my test and then um, didn't drive cars. I mean, I drive the, the family car up a little bit. But I had a Honda C70. They bought me a Honda C70. I don't know why they got it for me. Um, do you know what they look like? They're kind of... Um, Are they like the mopeds? Yeah, it's a moped with a bit of a fairing on the front. And uh, my brother had a, a moped years before. And I think I got it because it was he'd have one. And um, he gave me his helmet and it didn't have a peak on it. And it was a white thing. And it made me look like a shuttlecock. 
and um, <laughs> it, it wasn't stylish, I can tell you. And uh, my parents went out, and I'd never ridden it, and I got on it, and I thought, I'm going to give it a go in the garden just to see if it will move forward. And, of course, it did, and I couldn't stop it. And I ploughed straight into the back of the house through, through, the, um, Ouch. through the sun lounge. And so then I was Hang on, is this a, your house or somebody else's house? No, no, my, my, my parents' house. And, okay. and I was faced with this dilemma. Do I staunch the bleeding? Do I call the glazier or do I clear up the mess? And um, <laughs> it became pretty apparent pretty quickly I needed to staunch the bleeding because my, my, my finger was in a pretty bad state. And, and I did that by the time they came back. And they were really understanding, fortunately. Um, but that was the first time I'd got on a motorbike and I crashed it. And that pretty set the, the pattern for the rest of, the rest of my motorcycling career unfortunately so this is when your dad came in and said you make a good dispatch rider son that's right he said here's the career for you son here's the career for you right so you've gone through the window of your house in a, in a just and, uh, and the bike the, me and, oh, the, and bike, the bike as yeah. well okay yeah, yeah. okay um so here's a top tip for someone learning how to ride. Know where the brakes are as soon as you get on, yes, which is interesting. Well, actually, I also face away from the house. Oh, that's yes. another one. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's a good... Actually, yeah. it's quite funny. I took um, my uh, 16-year-old daughter out for a drive. Not on the road, I should hasten to add. Uh, we were on an island nearby that people know called Rabbit Island. Uh, it's a big green area but there are so it's got these big green areas that are off-road but there are quite a few trees around but i thought they were kind of far away enough but it's like you know when you say don't think of the pink elephant and you say don't drive towards the tree and of course driving and, and she did she did know where the brake was well she did know yeah. it where it was five minutes beforehand anyway because it was a manual i was teaching her in and she was pressing down and said, it's not stopping, it's not, as the tree was approaching. We were going mm. quite slow. And she said, it's not stopping. I said, press the brake. I am pressing the brake. Press the brake. It's the middle one. Oh, the middle one. And But fortunately, the car stalled before we, but I think we stopped two inches away from the tree. Mm. So did you have your hands on the dashboard and were they white knuckled? Yeah, they were getting that way. My, yeah, my yeah. other hand was on the handbrake, just about to pull it up. Nice um, presence of mind. But I didn't. Like that. I like I, that. Yeah, That's I didn't. Good. I was yeah. sort of thinking, she's going to find the brake. She's, oh, she, she's not going to. So, did I say that? She's not going to find the brake. Mm. But anyway, yes. So, scary times. But you obviously recovered from your moped crash to go on and take your motorbike test. Oh, well, actually, no, a moped, if it's a 70cc, you no, have to you take didn't it. Need a, you didn't need to have passed your, your test. I think 125 and above, 125cc and above, oh. you need to pass your test at the time. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, yeah, okay. but I but I did do that test in Hendon. I don't know why I was in Hendon doing it. I had an RD125, and what always amused me about the motorbike test was that the instructor had to leap out in front of you from behind a parked car, <laughs> and, and you had to do an emergency stop. <laughs> Is that right? And I always had to, I always wondered what happened if you failed. What was the consequence for the instructor if you'd failed that test? Well, it's probably the end of the instructor's instruction, I'd say. <laughs> well, would, would he have been waving to you, telling you that you'd failed on his way out on the ambulance? What happens if you... I don't understand how you could fail that and not damage the instructor. Anyway. Yeah, because on motorbike wheels, you know, the top is just going to be at the right height to catch him, you know, quite painfully, apart yes, from other yes, things. Yes, you, you, you might think. You, you might. might think. Yeah, well, that... So, okay... So they really did that. They jumped. You're they not did. winding they, me up they, here. No, I'm not winding. So, so that, you know. So it also kind of relies on you remembering what, what he looked like. <laughs> you, you're not kind of focusing on what the instructor looks like, are you? So you don't know whether no. it's a random, random person walking out 
or the instructor. But the fact that he stopped in in your line of travel okay. kind of gives you a clue. But if the if the road's wet and you really don't know how to new, uh, do an emergency stop, they're putting themselves at a bit of risk. I always thought, but it always amused me what might be the the outcome if you failed that part of the test. Well, do you think they ought to bring that into the driving test then? That um, the driving instructors don't go in the car; they just randomly step out from the side of the road behind some parked cars and. You have to do the emergency stop okay, and if you don't, we've just lost another instructor. Well, okay, well, you put that forward to somebody and see, yeah. see what the response gets. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure that's a goer. Okay, yeah. so did you pass your motorbike test first time then? I did, yeah. Yeah, but that was born of many errors, you know, so, so on motorbikes it's a bit like flying, you know, error, uh, motorbikes aren't very forgiving of errors, cars are a lot more forgiving yeah, of errors. Yeah, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you passed your driving test and your motorbike test. What are you using as your transport then? At the moment. Oh no! After immediately after uh, passing the test. Oh, motorbikes. I've almost always had motorbikes. So I, I had a job at Cadbury where they gave me a car, which is a thing of Vauxhall Astra, um, and I had a job um, trying to sell um, laser copiers. And I can't remember what I had then, but it was pretty nippy. It was a hatchback. Okay. Um, but I've almost always had motorbikes rather than cars. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of progressed up from, a, I had an RD125, a 250, and uh, then I went into dispatch riding. And um, it became pretty obvious that you're actually thrashing a, a bike that size doing dispatch riding. So I got a, a CX500, which was almost like the standard London dispatch rider bike, yeah. because it's shaft-driven, um, and I got a custom what was, version. What does that mean? What, why, why, why is that good? Oh, shaft-driven, because you're thrashing the bike, and you're, uh, and if it's chain-driven, you've got to worry about adjusting the chain all the time, whereas oh. if it's shaft-driven, you just got to put petrol and oil in the thing and, and hope that the brakes are working, and, and you're good. And am I right in saying these are all Hondas? No, the no. RDs are Yamahas, yeah. Ah. But the CX-500 is, a, is a, a Honda. Sorry, Steve, for not being specific about that. Uh, that's that that's all right. I'm just showing my ignorance on the air. So the, the C-70 was a Honda, the Honda C-70. So yep. then Honda, Yamaha, Yamaha, Honda. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm. So you decided to become a dispatch rider. Um, why? 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 Because I um, couldn't think of anything better. Somebody suggested it as an idea. Um I was having a few problems, I suppose, and um, it was easy to get into. Okay. And so I went to London. I looked in, I can't remember what the Evening Standard or something, and there were a whole load of them. Because this was the days before fax and email, and you know, everything was done by hand. It was. Um, or typed. And uh, so there was a whole industry in London of people whipping here, right, and left, right, and centre delivering stuff, and artwork, particularly in, in um, Soho. And so I called them up and they said, yeah, I have a job and um, start on Monday. And I turned up on Monday and they gave me this job, which was basically came from um, Glasshouse Street, which is the bottom, the southwest corner of Soho, to Soho Square, which is the northeast corner. And I had no idea where I was going. Come on, you could walk that, couldn't you? Well, you can walk it. You can walk it in about 15, right? And so I took a punt and I followed the one-way streets. And I got there in about five minutes. Job done. That's impressive. Yeah, it's impressive. I could tell they were impressed. I could tell they were. They looked like, this guy's the guy for us. And then they gave me a second job, which was about 300 metres from where I was. And it took me an hour to get there. <laughs> I, could see it, I could see it on the London A to Z, which was like you know, the, the 
thing for, yep. for, for this one. I could see it 300 metres away and I could not get there. Yeah, this, 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 like this, this was before Google Maps, before, yeah, before Google Maps. Yeah, and it yep. was, everything was in your head, so you had to try and memorise the map, get on your bike and go, but it was just a labyrinth of one-way streets. And you, you'd know that you were, like, there, but you couldn't get to it because the, the one-way system was taking you away from it. And uh, it was you know, very frustrating, but they, they gave me a second chance. In, in the end, I, I learned what I was doing. Yeah, but it's interesting. So you were, you were kind of the, was this, the 80s you were doing this? Yeah, 90s? this was kind of mid-80s, mid to late 80s. So you'd be the 1980s equivalent of the little bites and, you know, um, whizzing around the internet now between computers carrying stuff like emails and pictures and facts stuff. You were yeah. doing that physically on your yeah. motorbike around central mm -hmm. London. Yeah, and outside, because I wasn't very good at the beginning. And they, they tended to um, dispatch their dispatch riders to the um, home counties and beyond because um, the big money was staying in town. Uh -huh. So the people they couldn't rely on got sent out, which was me at the beginning. Uh -huh. um, and uh, I took a piece of original artwork, I can remember, and um, I had it in my bag. I was going down the M4, which is a main artery going west out of London, and it came off my, my, <laughs> my shoulder. And it was on the middle of the road, on the motorway, and getting <laughs> driven over. This was this uh, original artwork. Original artwork. And, and I was on my way to Henley, I think it was, and I turned up at this guy's door and I said, I'm just so sorry. And, and he looked at me uh, and he, he thought I was joking. He could not believe. <laughs> but I, I couldn't change what had happened. Um, yeah. Um, uh, so, so I, I that... hope he was insured. That, that David Hockney masterpiece will, will <laughs> never right. go to the public eye now. That's right. Well, I should have taken it straight home, obviously, if I'd known. But um, oh. hindsight's a great thing. But you even managed to recover it from the middle of the M4. That's quite an achievement as well. Uh, maybe, yes, maybe I shouldn't have done that. No, yeah. no. No. Yes, the, the, the motorcycle... Police, motorcycle policeman I had on the show four weeks ago who used to patrol the M25 probably be having words with you but mm, yes anyway. yes but then you'd be talking motorbikes within 30 seconds so yeah that'd be all yeah. right okay so so home case so that was driving in and out of London which is bad enough sorry riding in and out of mm. London mm. in all weathers obviously yeah, and, and it kind of had, um, it, I think you alluded to this before, you know, it was difficult to get insurance. There was only one insurance company that insured a dispatch rider, and that was Norwich Union. Norwich um, Union. And um, it, it, was, it was a risky, risky job, you know, because you, uh, there, there weren't really any rules. And, and, you know, there are lots of things today that you can do that you, you can't do today that you could do then. Uh, and there were things you could do then on the road that just weren't really concerned about and um we we had two riders we shared a radio link with another company and they had two riders killed in the same week Jeez. um and uh and, and they all said that the police used to have uh, this thing I, when i started i was so naive uh, and they say um free mot's on city road or something oh that's really kind i i'd like a free mot mm -hmm. and i had no idea that actually this was a euphemism for the police having some block on the road <laughs> where they'd be stopping riders and checking that they had insurance, MOT, that, the, that uh. they had tax and that the, the bike was properly maintained. Um, and I was always quite disappointed that I hadn't had one of these things. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then eventually I realised that it wasn't necessarily such a positive. Um, but I was always pretty, um, you know, I'm always, you know me, very yes. draw, you know, always trying to tick all the boxes, so it wouldn't have been an issue for me. But uh, it always made me laugh when I, when I realised that I'd misunderstood what it was. So... You had to provide your own bike and stuff? This wasn't like company bikes or 
No, you're self-employed. Self-employed. No, none, yeah. none of those management companies um, provide the banks. No. Okay, so if it broke down, that's your problem. You're losing yeah. money if you. Yeah. You had to pay for the petrol. Yeah, everything. But it, but it was in all weathers because um, if you weren't working, you weren't earning. Um, but the, the, the best riders were in central London and um, all, and kept in central London. And the trick right. was to pick up as many jobs as you could at the same time because of you're getting course. paid multiple times yeah. for the same journey. So but you, you're complete, always computing the map you're, in your head. You've got the map of London in your head. You're always computing the yeah. route that you need to take to get from one to the other and then recomputing when you're given a new job. Yeah, and it's like it's not like Google Maps or satellite navigation. Move into the left lane to turn right. Thirty no. years it doesn't give you that advance warning and all these no. one-way systems. And no, I, I remember. Was it the first time I ever went driving with you in London? I think I was driving, and we were going into the detention. She said, "Go for the gap. Go for the gap." And I said, "What gap? What? There is no gap. There was a gap." <laughs> I know, I know, but that's the foolhardiness of youth, isn't it? And, yeah, uh, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, then you did get some central London jobs or? or oh, yes. In the end, yeah, they, you know, with experience, you start to learn it really, really well. And you've got the map in your head and they you know they can rely on you and they bring you into town all the time. Um, and then you, then your money goes up. Yeah. So you're, you're doing an almost biker's version of the knowledge. Like yeah. The cabbie's yeah. knowledge thing. Well, you're doing 100, 200 miles a day. Um, so for sorry if you're key with this, that's 160 to what is it, 300 something yeah, kilometers kilometers a day yeah, in heavy traffic all day. In um, central London, that is a lot because central London is a not, huge amount. Is that not that geographically big? No, it's not. Um, but you're going pretty quickly, um, and not much is stopping you. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, so that and it's pretty tiring. It's physical as well, physical work. So you run up and down stairs. Yeah. But you know that's it. All in the past. Steve. All in the past. And the concentration past. required to do that as well. Yeah. To stay. But you there. develop a sixth sense. I, I, I hadn't really appreciated what the sixth sense was because you're doing it so much all day. You right. kind of start to anticipate things, and you mm. think, "Well, how did I ever anticipate that was going to happen?" You think, "Well, that was you know, <laughs> that was fortunate because if I hadn't done that, this would have happened." Well. And um, so, yeah. so you were able to pick up cues from somewhere, like that driver is about to pull in front of me or that bus is going to pull out or... Yeah, it's almost, sub, almost, almost subliminal because you're doing it, you're, you're so, your senses are so heightened all day for such a long time and your experience develops. There was a thing um, you wouldn't have seen maybe, they did something Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, um, on Netflix or something. Uh, they got somebody to kick the ball, cross the ball mm -hmm. and turn the lights off mid-flight and he could anticipate the flight of the ball even though the lights had gone off and put the ball in the back of the net you don't know how many times they tried it and he failed but in the times they showed it Whoa. and then they had one where they where they took the corner and they turned the lights off as soon as the corner was taken and he still got it in the net but he did it with his shoulder because he, and his explanation was i knew it was close to my head and i didn't want it to fall in my face and i just put it in my shoulder because he can read the body language because he's such an expert wow that was that was the explanation the psychological yeah. explanation so the brain is doing these amazing things when we sort of put it on automatic almost kind of thing, once yeah. it's got the experience. But we don't want to talk about football after this <laughs> no, week. No, we don't, do we? No, <laughs> no we don't. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, I'm not going to be having pizza for a while. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, so... Go on, I, th I think, well, we, we're halfway... You see, we're halfway through the show already. We haven't even started talking about the question. No. Got so much but... Mm, the dispatch rider 
tales. What is your funniest, worst, scariest dispatch rider tale? Mm, okay. Um, I did get stuck in a lift on a Friday night after hours, and I had no idea it was a good lift. And this, this is I, obviously not with your bike. No, but I was doing a job, and I, I got in this lift, and uh, the building was empty, and I got stuck in this lift. I can't remember how I got out, but I, I was thinking, I am stuck here for the weekend. <laughs> no. Somehow I got out. Um, I did have a, a bus park on my foot on Piccadilly. That's and not what, funny. What, well, what was amazing about this is I was... A few things went on my mind is why is this not hurting, right? And I could feel some pressure, but I suppose maybe the pressure was displaced across such a large area that it wasn't killing my foot. But then the traffic started to move on my right hand side, and I had this feeling of being trapped because I oh, couldn't physically you move. move. Yeah, um, which is a, which is stuck in my memory. Um, I did never overtake uh, a juggernaut or a lorry on the inside. I learnt pretty quickly. Right. Um, so I was on Hammersmith roundabout and I was stuck on the inside and this lorry started to move and its back wheels are coming towards me and I could see I was going to get crushed Ooh. and I was starting to rapidly try it. Fortunately, it was a light bike. I still had the RD250 light bike trying to rapidly push myself back and oh, um, the inside rail, I couldn't get out, so it's concrete um, and he just stopped in time to give me a chance to wiggle out. Um, that stayed in my memory, I can tell you. Yeah, bet your senses um, were heightened for that one. Yeah, going up Henrietta Street in Covent Garden, suddenly the bike just disappeared. Um, you, lost, you lost your bike? Yeah, I lost the bike. Uh, and a helpful policeman came along and told me that there was oil on the road. Well, it might have been helpful if you told me before. <laughs> but no, no, no sign on the road. Um, no, okay. Yeah, um, other than that, humorous stories, not too many. Um, no. A few where I took the bike down, deliberately took the bike to the floor because it was better than ploughing through the back of the car in front of me. Oh, my goodness. Um, and, uh, yeah. You bikers, yeah. I know, I know. Can't I can't trust them. Well, I must admit, the first time, is it the first time I'd ever been on a serious motorbike, on the back of one, was with you. Mm. And you took me around the North Circular, and that was at the same time one of the most exhilarating but also the scariest experience I've had because the acceleration is just what, what was it? It was something serious, was it a Fireblade or a CBR? Oh, that's CBR 1000. CBR 1000. Was it that one? They go from naught to yeah. naught to um, 140 miles an hour, which is what that's 160, 220, 220. north of 220 kilometers an hour in under 14 seconds. And and, and, it, and and it's a heavy bike, right? And um, they are quite fast. Um, and I can remember going up from a 250 to a 500 and thinking, wow, you know, what a difference. Going from 500 to 1,000, if you've never ridden one, they are just, you know, you've got to know what you're doing. If you're not going to get killed, they are so fast. Yes. Things, so I was, fast. I was very glad you did know what you're doing, but because I couldn't, I could not comprehend a, a sort of the initial acceleration cool this is quick and then it was still accelerating and then it was still accelerating and it's like everything was a blur and i do mm. i do remember you saying don't let go at traffic lights just before the green mm. in terms of holding on because yeah but, but they're not the fastest bikes around at all you know the fire blade that came afterwards is lighter and fast obviously light faster because it's lighter um but you you know you you think why why would you need a bike like that nowadays um um and, and i i switched my my 
my CBR out for um, a BMW in London when I got a bit older and I was commuting in London for work because it's just too heavy and not practical in heavy traffic. Mm-hmm. But uh, what a fantastic tourer. That, that bike was the best bike. So it's an amazing tourer. So is a BMW tourer kind of like the bike equivalent of a Jag? It's, it's, it's kind of, kind of you know, sporty, but, but when you want a bit more comfort and... No, the Honda was. The, the Honda, Honda was. was. Oh, okay. So I think there are BMW Tourers, but I've never, never, never had one. So I've oh, got okay. the R eleven fifty GS at the moment, which is kind of a hybrid. Right. Um, yeah. So you're not a born again biker. You always were a biker. Yeah, probably. Yes, yeah. so I've had a few periods in my life where I haven't had one, but pretty much always had one. Mm. Okay. So. As a, I'm going to get straight into one of our other questions now. So, as a mm. biker, mm. specifically as a biker, what do you reckon would be the biggest change you'd like to see on road safety? Then, or, oh, oh, that's on bikes. I don't know. I think that um, bikes are tricky, right? Because um, tricky. They're tricky. So I have been blessed to still be alive despite my youthful arrogance and risk-taking. Mm-hmm. And I think that big bikes or bikes in the hands of young people, yeah, are, yeah, it's tricky. They're, they're definitely risky. Um, too much too soon. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and maybe when I was growing up when things were different and there were less cars on the road, maybe you could get away with more. I don't know. But mm-hmm. I, I, I would not want my kids to have bikes because I just think they're, they're just too risky. And, and as I said before, they're unforgiving of errors. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I'm very blessed to still be here because I've made stupid errors um, through inexperience um, and got away with them. Um, but I may, might not have done. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and you might say the same for cars as well. Yeah. Because uh, but but cars are less uh, are more forgiving of mm-hmm. errors. Uh, and you know that the you know, the, the insurance for young people is higher for a reason. Yep. Um, because because you're more risk taking and you you overestimate your ability. Yeah. Um, you haven't got yeah. that experience to read the situations yeah. or um, yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So um, not even scooters for your kids then. <laughs> no. If if it's, if it's my choice, no. 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 no I wouldn't. Um, because uh, just stupid things like you know reading the road conditions. So if it's chucked it with rain, well that's a lot safer than if it's drizzled. Oh no, that means it's great fun for locking the back wheels and doing a twenty-foot slide. Kind of thing. <laughs> you know, drizzling or all, all the oil sits on the top of the road. You've got to be really careful. If, if it's chucked it, then probably the oil's been washed away. So the road conditions are much safer. Yeah, that's uh, true. A light wheel. light shower is often more dangerous than heavy rain for that Absolutely reason. Absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're know, knowing to avoid um, uh, drain covers because if, you, if your back wheel goes over drain cover, it's likely to slip away. Uh, and it takes experience to recognise that. Ah, yeah, no, because I must admit that coming from the UK, our drain covers are quite little. Here in New Zealand, the drain covers like look like they can swallow people whole kind of thing. <laughs> and, and they mm. often put the slats uh, in the same direction as bicycles for instance so i learned mm. pretty quickly as a cyclist you don't cycle over a storm drain cover because the bike will stop and you won't yeah yeah um but i didn't realize they were quite so dangerous for motorbikes as well yeah from losing traction okay all right so what for you is the attraction what do you like about biking or driving 
what's what's the particular enjoyment well, you get of that biking experience? Well, I think it's the freedom, isn't it? It's, it's, it, it takes you to places you might not have been able to go to in less time. I think that's what it is for everybody. There's a bit of convenience. Um, I mean, driving. I know. Sorry, sorry, Steve. I know this is a driving show, but it doesn't do the same thing. For me no, as, we as entertain bikers do. as well. Sometimes. Okay. Yeah, well, okay. I think just mo- motorbikes. The the freedom and the exhilaration of uh, you know of that power of the bike going going. It's just it's difficult to explain that I, I've just not got in the car. Um, and um, yeah, it's just that being able to just go and explore and go mm-hmm. down roads that you you don't know where they're going to go to and you just think oh, i'm just going to find out where it goes and i suppose you can do that in life as well can't you you can um, and and, and <laughs> i often have variable results <laughs> um but, but i suppose it, it fits my spirit i suppose to to just be able to just go off and see where i where i end up um mm. and it gives me that opportunity which without that transport you can't do that's a good way to describe it an eclectic car and bike collection an eclectic career and an eclectic life Mm, yes, I'm not sure. I'm sure, not sure that's a great, great thing to put on your epitaph, but maybe that sums it up. Yeah. Mr. Eclectic. Um, okay, so if you were just going to ride or drive for pleasure, you'd take a bike over a car, then. Well, that would depend, right? So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So um, I, I didn't. I, I had an opportunity to bring my bike from the UK to Australia. Um, and didn't partly because it was just a pain in the neck to, to get it through customs, but also because in um, Victoria at the time you couldn't what they call filter go between the traffic. Um, so why would you have a motorbike and sit in heat in a traffic jam when you could be in a car air conditioned with some music on? Is that right? Um, You're not allowed to weave between sort of overtake when cars are stationary. Or, you mean, or? Use that word weave. Weave, yes. You're not allowed to weave even now. You weren't allowed to filter between the traffic, stationary traffic or slow moving traffic at all. You had to take your place in the queue um, in the traffic line. Which which you did as a dispatch rider, of course. (laughs) Of course. Of course. uh, It's difficult to describe to anybody that wasn't there how dispatch riding was. It was just, um, and the wife described it as ants. Uh, there, there were motorbikes everywhere. Yes, I can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there were they just we even weaving on motor, motorways at 110 kilometers an hour, and you know, just weaving in and out of traffic. And uh, but the cars expected it, and drivers knew yep. that that was going to happen. Yep. Um, so in Melbourne, you couldn't filter, and they changed the rule so you could filter. Well, now there's a reason to have a motorbike because now I can go through the traffic quicker. Ah. Um, so so I got a bike, um, and also the weather here is obviously better. The roads are better. Um, there's less traffic, the lanes are wider, yeah. so what a difference to the conditions but, but in the UK. Hang on, in Australia, okay, I can understand, but you know, you don't normally like cycling, there's pouring rain, but surely isn't it the other problem the other way around in Australia, you're sweltering and these leathers and a helmet and you just, you've melted by the time you've got to your destination. <laughs> Yeah, it is a bit of a drawback, isn't it? So um, I've got to confess to making some compromises, which I know I shouldn't. Oh, I dear. really know I shouldn't. I didn't know you shouldn't. Yes, yeah. but I, I have made some compromises on occasion. Um, yeah, because yeah, so it, it is it is difficult to be in that kind of heat riding. It's okay while you're motion, in motion, but when you stop, yeah, it's it's tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so, so sorry, I'm not sure I really answered your question. So I think by preference, I would take a bike unless I'm okay. traveling with other people. Because you can't take much luggage you know, no. on a bike either. No. 
So it's horses for courses. Depends where you're going, who, with, and why. Okay. Yeah. Very, very organised. Excellent. Mm. Excellent. So, um, I'm going, I haven't asked this question to many people actually, so I'll ask it to you. Because I'm, did the lockdown or lockdowns uh, have they changed your opinion about cars and driving at all, or getting about, or not getting about? No. No. <laughs> Next question. Have. <laughs> 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 no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think people, it's changed everybody's perspective, hasn't it? I mean, what, what you think is necessary to life, you realise isn't actually quite as necessary as you thought it was. Um, and humans are complete, well, incredibly adaptable, aren't mm-hmm. they? And they mm-hmm. move to new scenarios quite, quite effortlessly. Some, obviously, it's been very challenging for, for some people. But so I think most people just move effortlessly, pretty effortlessly, to the new scenario. Um, but and I wonder though what impact it's had, including the reduction in air flight, on the um, environment. Yes, I think that is an increase. Certainly in the big cities, and the Rome's and the Delhi's and everything, the amount and the Shanghai's, the smog-free for many weeks, and then probably mm. back to not being that. That's why. Yeah, what about? Sorry, go on. No, no, I wasn't particularly reliant on, on transport before. I mean, I try to use, you know, to get into town, I use a motorbike or train. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't particularly reliant on it. I'm, I'm sure for other people it's, it's had a big impact, but mm. not particularly for me, yeah. So on sort of different forms of transport or future of transport, what about hybrid bikes or electric bikes? Because I was talking with someone else and was trying to say, okay, the difference between a bicycle and a motorbike is the motor. But when you start putting electric motors on bicycles mm. and electric motors on bikes, it's just mm. the size of the motor that's the differentiation sort of thing. So mm. what, what what do you think about Would Would you ride big electric bikes? Oh, now you're going into grey areas. I've, I have been on an electric bike, okay. um, and I was pleasantly surprised. Actually, and he said that. Uh, so my my, I should have taken warning about my motorbike career from my cycling career. Um, so I had a couple of pile-ups on my bicycle um, before I even went to. Have you got time for me to tell is, you about is, that? Is there anything you don't crash? No, not much actually. This seems uh, to be a common theme among my friends. They they crash quite. A lot, but yes, no, we'd like to hear about that. Well, I think it's partly down to, to uh, as we said, overconfidence in your own ability and a reckless disregard for your own safety, partly. Um, so I, I did get somebody opened their door on me when I was cycling past. Well, that, that's not was, your uh, fault. No, you know, but what, what amazing was how I bounced over the, the, the door and, and was, was uninjured, and he was mortified and came around to my house later in the evening after I gave him him his uh, me his address which you know to his credit that was really good anyway uh, on the last day of the school holiday when i was 16 i flew into my um my friend's drive and his father always used to park the car kind of away from the wall on this occasion he parked well against the wall um and somehow obviously i had put the brakes on and gone over the top of the handlebars smashed my head on the wall and left my hair on it and then somehow pivoted over the top of the car um, which gave me quite severe concussion and a bit of a fracture in the back of my neck um, which wasn't the first head injury i had um uh yeah so so that kind of set the scene and and that's what brought an end to my uh career as a dispatch rider as well with a head injury yeah Mm. okay <clears throat> Thank good for helmet. Well, no, and that you weren't wearing the helmet. Yeah, the no, one, you, were you? Wear, you didn't have to wear no. a helmet in those days. No helmet at all. No. But a helmet did survive. Uh, did uh, save me on the motorbike. That's for sure. Yes, that's good. Mm. So 
Yes, definitely wear helmets on motorbikes. And mm. uh, car drivers, when you're opening the door, always check always that check. wing yes. mirror, just in case you've missed something mm. before you open the door. I know you want to get out and get your fish and chips and all the rest of it, but it's always good. Okay, right, what have we got? We've, got fif- oh, we've only got 15 minutes left. Right. Worst car ever driven might be the larder, or it could be worst bike ever ridden. Worst car was, yeah, yeah, probably the larder. You could say I had a, um, a Mini Clubman, and it was the worst of cars and the best of cars. It was a Mini Clubman estate. So I love the kind of um, the, I don't know, the, the, the kudos of having a Mini Clubman estate, but it was old, um, and it developed um, a hole in the floor of the passenger um, footwell um, through rust. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I had f- sort of water coming up through it. I can remember approaching the Hammersmith roundabout. And then a few days later, the brakes failed um, while I was going along. And, and this reminds me of your, your handbrake um, thought with, mm-hmm. with your daughter. Uh, and that, that is near where we used to live, actually, down Barbald Road. I was going towards a T junction. Newington, yes. Yeah, cars straight ahead of me. And um, fortunately, there was a brake in the traffic park on the left hand side. So I pulled the handbrake up and rammed it up on the curb and stopped it. That was um, presence of mind then. I? I know, I know. Um, and uh, so that was the best of cars and the worst of cars because I loved it because it was quirky. Um, and it's the worst because it was like a wreck. Um, yeah. I don't know how I got it, where I bought it from, and nobody would come on and get it. It wasn't even worth anything to scrap. I, I, yeah. I had to pay somebody to remove it. Oh, dear. Yeah, I, I, I mean, older minis, I, I kind of, I can see their coolness appeal, but I have, when I drove it, it felt like I was driving a biscuit tin. It just didn't, it didn't feel a great experience to me, but yeah. I know, I know, I know people had, love them. I know somebody who had a, is it a Fiat or something that looked like a box? Did we know Fiat 500 or something? No, no. it was worse than that. 126? Yeah, it could have been. Could yeah, be I can't remember who might have had that as a family car. But that uh, yeah, that doesn't well, sound good. It wasn't you, was it? Still? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a no. boring, terrible no. car. I just wouldn't, no. <laughs> in my humble opinion. Uh, best car or bike ever driven? Possibly the Fireblade, it sounds like the best bike. Uh, the, the CBR 1000. Sorry, yeah. CBR 1000, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, because it had such amazing balance such an amazing fairing it was like you're in a pocket of air amazing acceleration you could drive it all day and i took it down to the south of france in one day and it was, what a journey from, L- amazing, from london yeah what an amazing bike wow. oh yeah i had to take a ferry overnight steve you've got to be oil, oil, yeah <laughs> <laughs> to dover take a take a run up yeah I, anyway. I, it was good but not that good i need, did need to get, <laughs> put it on a ferry to get it across the channel okay. um it, it was a, a just a great great bike um, so yeah, I do miss that. And best car, um, we had a bizarrely a Volkswagen Turan in the UK, and I don't, I don't even buy uh, them here. I don't know whether you can buy on, them. The people carrier. I know, but it was great. Yes, it was a people carrier, seven seven seats, and we loved it. It was just so practical, so easy to drive as a diesel. And what a car! It was a really good car. I'm sorry. I'm where, sorry. Where, where's, that, where's, Trevor the dis- where's Trevor the dispatch rider, and what have you done with him? I know. It's, I know. What a car! This is showing both your sides. I think. I know. I know. It was. It was just a great car. Um, Darling, shall I take the CBR 1000 or the Volkswagen <laughs> Charan people carrier? Uh, that yeah. depends on you want the kids to come too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Good car, then. Good car. Yeah. Moving on. Um, <laughs> if you had an unlimited budget, what mm. car or bike? 
I would probably uh, bike. You know, uh, I don't. Uh, yeah, that's not. Bikes are for me practical things. Um, but cars, I, I've really started as I got older. I've really started to appreciate the craftsmanship, I suppose, and the the romance and history in cars. Um, so I, if I had an unlimited budget, I'd probably look for something that I can't describe or name that's kind of pre-war, um, pre-Second World War, wow. um, that's got some real, um, what what they call it in art, some provenance or something. Provenance, you know? yes. Um, and, and where you know where it's been and who's had it, um, and there's some history attached to it as well as style and craftsmanship. Um, yeah. Okay, so... Thank goodness you didn't say a Volkswagen Charan Deluxe or, or whatever. That's that's a relief. Uh, oh, you should have told me. That. I, I'd, have to, I'd have given you that answer if I'd known you were going. <laughs> <laughs> but so it could be. It could be like I don't know an old an old Lagonda or a, a Bristol. I don't know something. something yeah, I've got an open mind. Or an, an old, Maybe a Daimler. I don't know. Or an old Model Ford. I don't know. Oh, okay. It, was, it could be a little one. Yeah, but there's something that's really got, that's different. Um, okay, so have you d ever driven something like that at all? No, I've driven a Morgan. So a friend oh, of mine had a Morgan. Okay. Um, and um, that was interesting. So I wouldn't say the steering was too responsive. Um, but, you know, it was good. It was good. Okay. This is an eclectic mix. Mm. Definitely an eclectic mix. Okay, what about best road ever driven going down to the south of france sounds pretty yes good. i would say so because um you know it's five times the size of the uk um and the same population and the road quality is really high and there are no cars on them right so and the weather's fantastic so what can you say so you're on a bike with in a pocket of air and um you know it's just, it was just a great great journey and that bike wasn't tiring whereas Sorry, BMW, but my R1150 GS is tiring to ride. That uh, bike, oh. that Honda, you could ride it all day, um, and it wasn't really tiring. It's just a, a fantastic experience to go through, you know, through France in a day. Um, yeah, that was the best road, I think. And and without the gendarmes. Well, yeah, because there, there aren't many of them. No, there aren't. Um, but but uh, I, I I reflect actually on you know where where the police were in the 1980s and i think well maybe they were focused on stopping people bombing people yeah, yeah. Could, yeah and, and maybe you've got a it. it's a blessing if you're if if your police force are only interested in stopping traffic offenses well that's probably a good place to be as a society that's probably true that's probably true yes there are far worse things in life um yes okay so south of france south of france that sounds good do, do you have so uh, you presume the bikes you have, you can have the music piped through the helmet, is that right? Well, I'm not, I'm not a technophobe, but I'm not very technical. Um, so you could do that nowadays. In those days, you couldn't. No, you but can. I, well, I don't know. I, yeah, I didn't need that. I don't know. I, I'm quite happy in my own thoughts, really. And you, you, you've got enough to think about and concentrate on the, on the road, yep. I suppose. Yeah. Okay. So if you're in the car, then... Mm. Do you have some f do you have some favourite driving music or songs or are you take it or leave it kind of thing? Well, favourite I don't know. It's a bit like uh, it's it's mood driven, isn't it? So I think everybody chooses the music to the mood. Um, and so short journeys, yeah, I'd have the radio on, but I keep flicking because it's never okay. Um, long journeys, it would depend on the mood, and I'd probably have a selection that was easy at hand to reach. Um, yes, yeah, and. and uh, 
the car we've got at the moment doesn't have a six. You, you get those cassettes, six cassette things. Um, I don't know what they still do them. Anyway, yeah, okay, cassette, doesn't have cassettes them, are a bit eighties, mate. No, not cassettes. Not cassettes, Steve. I know you've got one in your car. Yeah, no, thank uh, you. It, <laughs> a cassette of CDs, and I know even now that's passed. That, that's a bit nineties. Yeah, because people have Spotify and stuff like that. Don't yeah, you? But how yeah. do you? But you're not allowed to touch your phone. So how do you? No, in Australia anyway, you can't touch it. You can barely look at it. So how do you manage to, to manipulate between things on Spotify? Well, well you don't. To... You have to have it on shuffle. You just have it on automatic shuffle. Really? Well, really? that's one I do. Just put it on shuffle. Really? Okay, you are sort of you right. know, modern man. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't got I haven't got that far, but I, I don't do long trips in a car, so I haven't faced the challenge of really needing to to, to overcome the boredom. Um, but um, when I have done long trips, I um, yes, I do have music, and it depends on mood. Okay, so it all depends on mood. So no, no yes. particular. But mood. I do think I do think it's a bit like I often sort of think about well surgeons because i know that, that some operating theaters have music and I'm bring your daughter to the slaughter does that change the, <laughs> the kind of <laughs> the, the the technique that the surgeons use yeah. I, I, and i do think that the type of music you're listening to can affect your driving yes they've been also i think there's been some studies done on that and how does the music yes. and the rhythm and the beat affect yes. our so, behaviors so and yeah Yes, I've become conscious, and I wonder whether different music selections make me more or less cautious on the road. And I, I, you know, obviously, no scientific study done, but I do think about that and whether it has affected my driving and, and risks I've taken or whatever or speed I've driven. And I think there is some correlation for it. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping. Uh, well, yes. If only we had some listeners that they would sort of <laughs> some of them would have done some studies on on things like that and be able to. Tell us that you know. I thought you had a budget to pay for some budget. That's what, that's what the producer told me. Yeah. Is, that, is that right? Yeah. Is that? I'll, I'll have to speak to the producer. See if that correlates. Well, actually, we have saved some money by not flying you over to Australia. And I know, and I, and I know your family listens. I know your family listens. Well, yes, I, I do have to pay them to listen as well, so that uses up the budget. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and 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 we are saving money because you very kindly called us. So there, there should be a huge amount of money left to do this research now. Um, oh, yeah, but we couldn't negotiate the invoice to be with. No, no, yeah, okay. We're yeah. yeah. Right. I'm sure MPD fuels will pay for it. A very good mm. fuel company. Very good fuel company. Um, <laughs> it's a completely random question. Bikes, can can they take 100 octane fuel? Um, I don't know. There's a minimum. The, my, my current bike, the recommendation is 95 minimum. Yeah, okay. Mm, but I don't know whether it could. We, we, I, we, I imagine that it could. There's a minimum, not a maximum, isn't there? We here in the top of the South Island, thanks to MPD Fuels, can fill up with 100 octane, 100 plus octane fuel, which is, you know, not far off racing grade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Might get a few more brake horsepowers out of your TBR. Mm. Yeah. Put that in. Yeah. Okay. So. Oh, we've got five minutes left. Any interesting conversations with traffic police you want to own up to? Um, had a couple of those. Um, I, I was on the way back from the Lake District one evening, um, and I had a terrible cold. So I, I was, and it was freezing. The weather was freezing, mm -hmm. um, and there was thick fog. Um, this is the tourist, tourist Lake District we're talking about in the UK. Yes, so Lake District, north, northwest north of England. Um, yeah. And I got to Birmingham, coming south out of Birmingham on the M5, and a police car. I saw the lights in my rearview mirror, and I pulled over, and um, they were very understanding. I was very grateful because they invited me into the car, 
Um, Did they give you a cup of hot cocoa as well? No, I, I, I should have asked. <laughs> I should have asked. Um, but I was freezing, and uh, the car was very warm, so I was very grateful for, for that hospitality. Um, and they said, you know, we, we've, um, we've pulled you over because we thought you were taking the, the mick because you overtook us. Um, and we've been following you for quite a while, and obviously you've got a big bike to go quickly. Uh-huh. Uh, and we've been following you for quite a while, and obviously you've been, you've been riding really safely. Um, because what I've been doing is I've been going down to 20 miles an hour, which is about 32 kilometers an hour, isn't it? Yeah, about 30, yep, yeah, um, yeah. in the fog, and then going up to another speed, let's say, right. um, when the fog cleared. <laughs> um, and they said, you, you, you've, um, you've got a big bike to, to go quickly, that's fine, you've been running really well, um, just hand in your documents. So in the UK, um, as was then, I think it's probably still true, you, you have to hand in within seven days at a police station oh, that yeah. you nominate yeah, yeah. your insurance, your tax and MOT, and all's good. And your annual license, and that's that's what happened. I think it stopped in the city of London as well. Uh, so they just wanted to check up, and okay. Yeah, uh, for overtaking a car at a speed, um, and um, I did explain I was a dispatch rider, and they said, ah. "All good, uh, tone it down, um, select your police station." So I think there was, there was discretion in those days, quite a lot of discretion. Yeah. Um, uh, about because you know sometimes to go at the speed limit is reckless you need to be going a lot lower than the speed limit um, as conditions. i did yes, yes yeah as i did in the fog um yeah but i think that things have changed obviously now um hmm. Hmm. okay all right so we've got about 60 seconds left for another one if you have one if it doesn't matter if you don't uh, no, well, no, uh, Your traffic di- police no, discussions, stories. Discussions of the police? No. No, just the one. Uh, only ever had the two. Yeah, I, in all I'm that time. Part, I just had those. That's did, quite Didn't amazing. even get a free MOT. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you missed out on that. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if there's a similar sort of euphemism here for it, because we have woofs over here. So I wonder if there's, there's a free woof check. Oh, uh, what's that? Oh, well, Warrant Fitness. It's, it's oh, an okay, MOT. Right, it's the, okay, the yeah. New Zealand equivalent of an MOT. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay, well, we are just about at the end of the show, and and the budget, <laughs> as as well. But I I was going to play, and it's been really really great to talk to you, and very entertaining. I was going to see I'll see if this is going to work. Um, let me just check if that's see if I'll, I'll see if I can play this and see if you recognise this. Okay. Mm. Okay, that's all you're getting. Do you recognise who who was that? I do recognise it. You do? Rec- it's, it's, yes, I do. Is that Scottish? Is that the Scottish yes. group? Yes. yes. And and they are. Oh. No, because oh, you used to play no. this an awful lot back in Stoke Newington. Oh, back in the late, oh come on, come on, he's going to no, drive him crazy. Okay. I'll tell you later. It was great to talk to you, Trevor. Thank you ever so much. I will be on the line again soon. Thanks for dialing in, everybody. Take care. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast available by funding the Access Media Project. Other great podcasts from Fresh FM are available through the accessmedia.nz app or our website freshfm.net.